Chapter Three of In the Clutch of the War God by Milo Hastings. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kate Fallis. In the Clutch of the War God by Milo Hastings. The Tale of the Orient's Invasion of the Occident, as chronicled in the Humaniculture Society's History of the Twentieth Century, in three parts from physical culture magazine july through september nineteen hundred eleven part three synopsis in the year of nineteen fifty eight ethel calvert a daughter of an american grain merchant residing in japan because of her father's death in an anti-foreign riot is forced to take refuge with madame oshima the french wife of a japanese scientist she becomes accustomed to the land and mode of living followed by the japanese and is finally persuaded to adopt the costume of the land of her exile war is declared between japan and the united states and professor oshima and komaru his secretary together with madame oshima and ethel calvert sail for the united states in a japanese war vessel when near the pacific coast the many men and women who have been passengers on the vessel leave the ship by means of aeroplanes and sail eastwardly toward texas where they establish plantations and conduct a desultory warfare by aeroplanes with united states troops while working in the fields ethel discovers a young american in concealment he warns her to keep silent and immediately runs away in a few minutes ethel had caught up with the man who more cautiously ran before her checking her speed she followed silently for a half mile she pursued him thus he came to the end of the field and dodged into the thicket of bushes that lined the fence row he moved more slowly now and she followed by sound rather than by sight at length they came to where a brook ran at right angles to the fence row the man stopped and crawled under the barbed wire fence and came out on the turnpike that ran alongside ethel peering out from the bushes saw him walk boldly forward and stand upon the end of the stone culvert that conducted the brook beneath the roadway for a moment only he remained so and then clambered quickly down at the end of the arch and disappeared in the darkness beneath she heard a foot splash in the water and then all was quiet save the gurgle of the stream climbing over the fence she top ran forward upon the culvert she listened and looked toward either end resolved to call him if he emerged as she stood waiting she saw the yellow signal light rise in spirals higher and higher and then circle slowly in one location a few minutes later the dim tail lights of the plains came up out of the horizon and flew towards the signal light after a half hour of waiting she boldly resolved to enter the hiding place of the man she had followed cautiously feeling her way she clambered down over the end of the culvert and peered into its black archway at first dimly and then with brighter flash she saw a light within creeping slowly forward wading in the stream and stumbling over rough blocks of stone she made toward the light 
midway the passage the side wall of the culvert had fallen or been torn down and there in a little damp clay nook sitting hunched upon a rock was the silhouette of the unshaven man beyond him glowed the dim light and by its faint rays he was hurriedly writing in a notebook with a start he became aware of her presence and turned the flashlight upon her i followed you she stammered i want to explain i'm an american girl captive among the japanese he stared at her quizzically in the dim light i ran from you he said because i was afraid to trust you there are a number of europeans among the japanese forces i couldn't know that you wouldn't have given the alarm and for one man to run from fifty thousand isn't cowardice it's common sense even bravery perhaps when there's a cause at stake i understand replied the girl won't you be seated he said arising and offering his place on the rock she accepted and he asked her for more of her story in reply she told him whom she was and related as briefly as she could the incidents of her life that accounted for her peculiar predicament i suppose i owe you something of an explanation too he said when she had finished my name is winslow stanley winslow i am or at least was the editor of the regenerationist do you know what that is ethel confessed that she did not perhaps i flatter myself but then i suppose you have had no chance to keep up on american affairs just then a crash followed by a whirring clattering noise broke in above the sound of the man's voice and the gurgle of the brook running through their hiding-place what's that winslow exclaimed starting towards the end of the culvert ethel followed him before they reached the open the trees in front of them were lit up by the lurid light of a fire beside the road a hundred yards away was the crumpled mass of a metallic aeroplane the gasoline tank had burst open and was blazing furiously americans said winslow let's see if the crew are dead the gasoline had largely spent itself by the time they reached the plane poking about in the crumbled debris they found the driver impaled upon a lever that protruded from his back i wonder what grounded her mused winslow as he inspected the dead man with his flash lamp oh here we are good shooting that he added pointing with his lamp to a soggy hole in the side of the man's head i guess they're at it he said pressing out his light and turning his eyes skyward the woman speechless followed his gaze across the sky flashed here and there brilliant beams of searchlights but far more numerous were the swiftly moving star-like tail-lights of the japanese planes now and again they heard the crackling of machine-guns occasionally the burr of a disordered propeller and once the faint call of a human voice look said ethel pointing to the southward see that brilliant yellow light it's the japanese signal plane they are all to fly in towards it and then soaring high will escape 
over the american lines the lines are a joke returned winslow it's plain against plain and the japs will get the best of it or at least they'll get away which is all they want they're going to dakota where five trainloads of gasoline will be setting on a siding waiting to be captured we printed the story ten days ago though the administration papers hooted at the idea as they walked back toward the culvert ethel stumbled over something in the roadway she asked for the light and discovered to her horror that she was standing in the midst of the remnants of a man who had been spattered over the hard macadam of the turnpike ugh take me away she shuddered averting her eyes and running toward the stream the gunner fell out of the plane when she lurched i guess commented winslow to himself examining the shreds of clothing attached to the mangled remains beneath him for some reason winslow did not immediately follow the girl but went back and looked over the wrecked plane again he removed the magazine pistol from the impaled man's pocket and searched about in the locker until he found a supply of cartridges the sky was beginning to brighten from approaching dawn now and the searchlight flashes were less brilliant winslow stood gazing upward until the forms of the lower flying planes became visible suddenly he saw a disabled plane come somersaulting out of the air and fall into a field quarter of a mile away evidently there were explosive aboard for a shower of flame smoke and splinters arose where she fell the onlooking man hopped over the fence and ran toward the spot there was little to be seen a mere ragged hole in the sod as he unconcernedly walked back he passed at intervals a propeller blade sticking upright in the soil a broken can of rice cakes and a woman's hand the dawn had now so far progressed that the observer could see some order in the movement of the aircraft he studied with fascination the last of the japanese planes as they circled up toward their aerial guide-post and moved thence in a steady stream to the northward the american planes which had been harassing and firing on the japanese as they circled for altitude now turned and closed in on the rear of the enemy and the fighting was fast and furious plane after plane tumbled sickeningly out of the sky but for winslow the sight lasted only a few minutes for the combatants were flying at full speed and soon became mere flitting insects against the grey light of the morning sky striding down the roadway past the mangled body of the american gunner winslow reached the culvert ethel calvert was sitting on a flat stone at the edge of the water she held her woven grass sandals in her hands and was washing them by rubbing the soles together in the stream as winslow looked down at her in silence the girl looked up and eyed him curiously neither spoke the man stooped and washed his hands in the brook and then stepping up the stream a few paces he drank from the rivulet returning he regarded the girl she had placed her sandals beyond her on the grassy bank and sat with her bare feet in the shallow stream her head buried in her arms rested upon her knees 
the slender shoulders now shook convulsively and the sound of a sob escaped her in the calmness of his cynicism the man sat down on the rock and placed a strong arm around the trembling woman i know he said it's a dirty damned mess but we didn't start it after a time the girl raised her head i know we didn't start it she said but isn't there something we can do to stop it well he replied slowly i rather hope to have a hand in stopping it and perhaps you can help how surely you can do as much in stopping it as one of those poor devils that gets smashed does in keeping it going he went on how she repeated well that's quite a long story he replied if you don't already know i told you who i was yes well the regenerationists along with many other sincere men and women in this country tried to prevent this war and are trying to get it peaceably settled now the japs don't want to die they want a chance to live we've got a lot of vainglorious debauched professional soldiery that wanted to fight something and now they're getting their fill in the first place there is no need of war and in the second place when there is war the same stamina that will make efficient humans for the ordinary walks of life will make good soldiers but money talks louder than reason the ruling powers and american government are a crew of beer-bloated politicians who are in the pay of a cabal of wine-soaked plutocrats and the american people under such administration have become a race of mental and physical degenerates the chaps knew this or they would never have invaded the country what are you going to do about it and what are you doing here now within the japanese lines asked ethel when her companion paused oh i am acting as my own war correspondent he replied smiling a little pat a pat winslow jumped up excitedly and clambered to the top of the embankment ethel noting his alarm slipped her feet into her sandals and rose to follow him quick he exclaimed hurrying down the bank again it's american cavalry but let us go meet them said the girl no never replied winslow taking her by the arm and hurrying her into the culvert you don't understand as for you and chemo your reception would be anything but pleasant and as for me i'm an outlaw with a price on my head reaching the chink where the rocks had fallen out of the culvert wall winslow squeezed into it and pulled the girl down beside him carefully he crowded her feet in his own back so that their presence could not be detected from the end of the culvert i'm afraid we left tracks on the bank but we can at least die game he said pulling his magazine pistol from his belt and handing it to the girl while he drew from his hip pocket the weapon he had taken from the dead aviator i hate these things he said but when a man is in a corner and no chance to run i suppose he's justified in using a cowardly fighting machine they heard clearly now the hoofbeats on the roadway above 
presently an officer rode his horse down to the stream at the head of the culvert anything under there called a voice from above nothing doing replied the other peering beneath the archway you're a fool sitting there like that called a third voice company c lost two men back there from a wounded chap under a bridge the horseman urged his beast up the bank and the troop passed on for some hours the man and the girl remained in the culvert meanwhile winslow explained the regenerationist movement which was not as his enemies interpreted a traitorous party favoring the japanese but only a group of thinkers who advocated principles not unlike those which had made the japanese such a superior race either at peace or at war as she listened it seemed to ethel as if her own dream had come true for here indeed was a man of her own blood with stamina of physique and mental and moral courage who professed and practised all she had found that was good among the people of her enforced adoption and in addition much that to her with her racial prejudice in his favour seemed even better than the ways of japanese in reply to her questions as to the cause of his outlawry winslow explained that he and other leaders of his party had long been at swords points with the conservatives who were in power and that the administration taking advantage of the martial frenzy of the war were persecuting the regenerationists as supposed traitors as the sun indicated mid-forenoon the dishevelled editor of the regenerationist and his newly found follower sauntered forth and took to the turnpike we may as well be on the road he argued the sooner the american people get the inside facts of this affair the sooner they will decide to stop it and it's forty-five miles to the nearest place where i can get in touch with my people bareheaded through the hot sun they travelled rapidly along the turnpike keeping a sharp outlook for occasional parties of cavalry and hiding in the fields until they passed sometimes they talked of the contrasted ways of life in japan and in america and again winslow wrote hurriedly in his notebook as he walked about three o'clock in the afternoon they stopped in the shade where a rivulet fell over a small cataract aren't you hungry asked ethel after they had drunk from the brook i don't know i hadn't thought of it particularly replied her companion let's see the last time i ate was in a farmhouse north of houston that was eight days ago when have you last eaten yesterday morning replied the girl then you were probably hungrier than i am with their conversation and the murmur of the waterfall they had failed to detect the approach of two cavalry officers who walking their tired mounts had come up unheeded hey look at the beauty in breeches called one of the approaching men her for mine returned the other i saw her first hi returned the first drawing rein give it to me you hog you've got one all right all right go take it maybe the bum will object laughed the first as the unshaven winslow advanced in front of the girl run quick called winslow to ethel they're too drunk to shoot straight the turnpike was enclosed by a high woven wire fence 
and the girl obeying turned down the road her would-be claimant put spurs to his horse and dashed after her leaving winslow covering the rear horseman with his magazine pistol well said the drunken officer weakly i ain't doing nothing then ride down the road the other way as fast as you can go the officer obeyed for a moment winslow watched him and then turned to see ethel climbing over the woven wire fence with the soldier trying to urge his horse up the embankment to reach her winslow started to run to the girl's rescue but no sooner had he turned than a bullet sang past his ear wheeling about he saw the other cavalryman riding toward him firing as he came with lewd brutality calling for vengeance in one direction and a man firing at his back from the other winslow's aversion to bloodshed became nil and aiming cool he began firing at the approaching officer it must have been the horse that got the bullet for with the third shot mount and rider somersaulted upon the macadam without compunction winslow turned and sprinted down the roadway he saw ethel dashing across the field hurdling the cotton rose the officer was racing down the road seeming away from her but in another moment he turned through a gap in the fence and rode down upon the fleeing woman the athletic winslow vaulted the six-foot fence with an easy spring and tore madly through the obstructing vegetation the rider overtaking the woman tried to hold her first by the arm and failing in that he grabbed her by the hair winslow wondered why she did not shoot him and then he recalled that he was carrying both weapons in another instant he was up with them and had dragged the man from his horse and flung him to the ground the soldier kicked and swore but half drunk his resistance was of small consequence to his well-trained adversary here called winslow to the girl who had tumbled down in a heap more from fright than physical exhaustion come and get my knife and cut the rein from the horse's bridle thus equipped the two strapped their captive's hands and one foot together behind him there now said winslow as he relieved the officer of his weapon hop back to the bridge and look after your comrade he fell on the turnpike a while ago and i'm afraid he hurt his head we'll have to be going shall we take the horse asked ethel no replied her companion beginning to throw clods at the animal we'll simply run him away as for us we're safer on foot and will in the long run make better time you're not tired are you he asked as they turned into the roadway again no she replied only a bit tired and weak from my scare how far have we come fifteen miles perhaps i really hardly know we've been interrupted so much they made a long detour through the fields to avoid a group of buildings striking the road again they soon came upon a slight rise of land that stood well above the level of the surrounding country are we not rather conspicuous here asked the girl well rather admitted her companion pausing to look around 
but i guess we can see as far as we can be seen look look called ethel excitedly jerking her companion's arm and pointing to the south where the flat horizon was broken by the derricks and tanks of the oil fields at first winslow saw nothing and then shading his eyes he sighted what looked like a great bevy of birds flying just above the horizon larger and larger grew the specks against the sky they will be over us in fifteen minutes said winslow let's get up in that oak over there where we can see without being seen safely hidden by the enveloping foliage the man and the girl now watched the approach of the plains as they came over the oil region the plains began swooping near the ground and then rapidly rising again it's japanese after the american cavalry i guess said winslow in a few minutes black smoke belched forth at numerous points from the petroleum works after a time a cloud of dust arose from a great meadow that spread for several miles to the north of the oil wells a group of aeroplanes hovered closely above the dust cloud and kept up that periodical swooping towards the earth it's stampeding cavalry said the sharp-eyed ethel and the airmen are dropping bombs on them the cloud of dust came nearer and nearer until they could see the swift fall of the deadly missiles from the swooping plains and the havoc wrought in the straggling ranks by the showers of pellets from the shrapnel exploding above their heads when the foremost of the cavalry troop were perhaps a quarter of a mile from the observers a commanding officer who was riding well in the lead wheeled his horse threw away his jacket tore off his white shirt and waved it frantically above his head an answering truce flag soon appeared from a plain above and the jaded horseman riding up drew rein and waited the truce plane now swooped low and dropped a message fastened to a white cloth a soldier caught it and brought it to the officer who signalled dissent orders were called along the line and the men filed by and piled their weapons in an inglorious heap after this most of the lazy circling planes rose and made off to the left while a few assigned to guard duty circled above the retreating cavalry as they moved off slowly in the opposite direction two belated members of the troop who had lost their horses flung themselves down to rest for a moment in the lengthening shadow of the oak tree oh god said one as he panted and mopped his forehead oh god i was scared that damned shrapnel bursting right over us no chance to fight back or get away it ain't no fair fighting like that you can't get at em they tricked us they have returned his companion our own airmen's up in nebraska chasing the japs that gave us the slip this morning and here these damn hawks come swooping in i reckon it's reinforcements from japan the transports that brought the first bunch must have been back and got another load and this time it seems to be regular soldiers here to kill the others were just decoys no they ain't exactly decoys they're here to stay and raise families and damned if that ain't what i'm going to do if i ever get out of this 
god our loss must be something awful and they're at it yet look see em over there by beaumont like a flock of crows the bunch that got us was just a few of them for a time both soldiers eyed the distant fighting when i get out of this continued the first speaker when i get out i'm going to join the regenerationists what's that pace cranks yep but it's more than that it's hell's cranks and temperance cranks and moral cranks and socialist cranks and every other kind of crank that believes in people being decent and living happy hell's quiet lives instead of fighting and robbing and boozing and abusing themselves and each other to death oh hell don't preach just because you're scared said the other getting up call it preaching if you like but believe me i've been getting letters from the folks back home and my people ain't such poor stuff either if i did join the army and i want to tell you that such preaching is getting damn popular lately this fall's election you know and the way we've been done up here today will have a lot to do with the outcome we'd better move said the other looking up that jap up there thinks we're going back after our guns with the oil regions again in the hands of the vigilant japanese winslow and ethel found escape more perilous and difficult but on the third night they succeeded in getting through the lines and reaching winslow's confederates who were awaiting him near st charles louisiana from hence they travelled by aeroplane to a secluded railroadless valley in the heart of the ozarks it was here that the secret printing plant of the regenerationist had been established ethel knew nothing of printing or journalism but a place was found for her in the department of circulation while news could be received via wireless the paper and supplies as well as the men who went to and fro from the secret printing plant of the outlawed publication had to be transported by plane aviators with sufficient skill and daring for the task were hard to find already at home in the air it was only a few days until ethel was driving a plane on a paper route the seven hundred miles to denver she covered one night returning the next she started out with half a ton of papers seventy-two thousand copies which in suitable bundles were dropped by the boy in the centre of the triangular circle fires which local agents built at night in open fields once she lost her load by a fall in the kansas river and once she ran out of fuel and held up a rich country house at the point of a pistol and demanded the supply of automobile gasoline worst of all she was chased one night by a government secret service plane despairing of outflying them she got out and held the position directly above their craft while the boy rolled a two hundred pound bale of regenerationists over on the other's wing and sent the federal airmen somersaulting into eternity but these stirring times did not last long with the second japanese invasion and the orientals now established in two widely separated sections of the country the authorities at washington soon acceded to a truce and one of the immediate results was abolition of martial law and re-establishment of a free press throughout the summer in the rice lands in the south and the wheat lands in the north 
the japanese lived harmless gardeners of their newly acquired possessions but their gasoline tanks were full and they carried sufficient conflagration bombs to have fired every city from new orleans to st paul had the truce been broken by american treachery the regenerationist now removed to st louis was again a full-sized newspaper the party in power supported by the capitalistic and military classes preached old-fashioned patriotism and with martial music and flying flags tried to enthuse the people but the terror of the american soldiery in the unfair battle of beaumont had gone abroad throughout the land the people feared the draft for military service they feared the firing of the cities the poisoning of their water supplies and a hundred other spectres which in the minds of a degenerate and servile city population the presence of a successful aerial enemy had inspired the reform party of the regenerationists had by the fortunes of war achieved a tremendous growth their recruits came both from the better element who had thus been awakened from their lethargy and from the cowardly rabble who supported peace because of the terror in their hearts general stoddard chancellor of the university of illinois a big sound man of clean mind and clean body was chosen as the radical presidential candidate and won with an overwhelming majority his election meant peace between the warring powers and strong likelihood of peace in the world for all time to come it also meant other things it meant the complete inversion of the american policy and the welcoming of science as the servant of mankind's larger needs and not merely a flunky to the degenerate luxury-loving few president-elect stoddard with masterful hand began at once the organization of the new administration among the appointees whom he early announced was that of stanley winslow to the position of secretary of public health in his telegram of acceptance winslow said in signifying my intention of accepting the position of secretary of public health in your cabinet i wish to say that it will be my sole purpose to prove myself possessed of the larger patriotism which would defend our race against retrogression and annihilation not by such antiquated and inefficient methods as immigration restriction or mechanical warfare but by the improvement of the race itself and ethel too sent a telegram it read professor and madame oshima japanese occupation south dakota as soon as travel is freely established come and visit us one of the children coming over ethel calvert winslow care the regenerationist st louis missouri but of komaru she said not a word she couldn't forget the unfathomable look in his eyes at times she even argued with herself that the poor fellow had loved her but had feared to express himself because he believed as he had stated in his scientific essays that interracial marriages were uneugenic and hence immoral end of part three end of in the clutch of the war god